0: Entrepreneurial Women with Purpose is focused on educating, empowering, and investing in women to support them with harnessing an entrepreneurial mindset to create the change in the world for the greater good. Through this series, we connect with women from all across New Zealand to inspire, teach, and share their pearls of wisdom through storytelling and sharing. I'm Katherine Vandermeulen, the founder of Entrepreneurial Women with Purpose. Welcome to Entrepreneurial Women with Purpose. I'm Catherine van der and joining me today is Lillian Grace, founder of Figure Group and Huato. How are you, Lillian? Kia ora, Catherine. I am great, thank you. So tell us, who is Lillian Grace? Well, I am he wahine Pākehā,
1: a host I'm a, a Pākehā woman um, who grew up in Hawke's Bay and has been on a very curly path of adventures um, since growing up there in a beautiful kind of um, quite naive but well-loved home and have between there and here been um, everything from a P teacher to an exec assistant in a technology kind of visual effects company to working at a think tank to founding a data charity. And, um, and now starting a new business and on a new adventure of learning. So there are many kind of um, different curly parts to the path that's formed who I am now.
0: I love the idea of a curly path of adventures. I think that's a wonderful way and a very succinct way of saying a very diverse life (laughs) that I have led over the
1: years. Yes, it's either that or it's the 20-minute version. So I
0: thought the (laughs) curly path. The curly path is good. So tell us about your call to adventure to starting Figure Group and Huato.
1: Yes, so Figure Group, which is um, the business that we started in 2020, and um, there's three of us that are co-founding it. And um, before I talk about what it is and what Huatoa is, the, the reason that we that we wanted to set up a new business is because through the experience I had had running the organization that I founded, Figure NZ, um, in 2012 and ran for the last kind of eight years as CEO, um, through that I could see that there are just so many people that are really, really well intentioned that we would deal with organizations throughout the public sector, the private sector, the NGO sector, community groups, just so many different types of people and organizations. And it became really apparent over that time how much people care about the place we're in, the future that we have in front of us. And yet, and um, this is not meant to offend people because I include myself in this, um, the majority of the time, most of us are pretty ineffective at kind of reshaping and forming the future that we want. And it made me really kind of step back and think, why is it, why is it that despite how much intent and goodwill there is, do we not really as a society kind of um, do better than we're doing? We know that lots of things that we care about are going in worse directions. Um, than, than what we would like to see. And so I stepped back and did some kind of thinking and research on that. And, the, and a very long story short um, is realised that our thinking has been really constrained by big forces of our past, whether it be industrialisation or colonisation or the way patriarchal values have structured most of our organisations. And, and so I came to realise that we, we need to kind of learn to think again and that that's an exciting thing, not meant to be a negative thing and need to learn how to see the world without all of these kind of lines of constraint that are surrounding us at the moment. And that was the, that was the essence behind Figure Group is saying we don't necessarily know how to do all that. As an organization, we're not going to do it all either. But the purpose of um, Figure Group is we want to figure out how to get dignity and delight for all and work together with many others to achieve that and um, whatever that means whatever that uh, the most important thing is that we can be doing that's what we want to focus on over the decades to come and the first product is huato which is a thoughtful learning platform so um, a way of teaching people at scale different ways of thinking whether it's strategic thinking tools or how to speak in front of people more confidently or principles from te ao maori and how they um, can be applied in corporate settings or in community settings and um, and having a really diverse range of authors of that content so that it's not just um, one way of thinking but going, actually, there might be lots of ways of thinking about one thing. And if we can learn to see it through lots of different lenses, we can um, kind of adapt and respond to things better.
0: And I think that's one of those things that I really connected with when uh, we first connected a few years ago really that deep thinking process. And, you know, over the years I've made time to be able to do that on a regular basis and I will say forever preaching about it, just really the positive impact that it's had on my life. Can you share more about this with Entrepreneurial Women with Purpose?
1: Yes. So when I grew up, I wasn't really, um, I don't remember at school or otherwise being kind of taught to think or taught how to think or how important it is to think about how we think <laughs> and such. And um, and it wasn't until I was working at a think tank called the New Zealand Institute, which doesn't exist anymore, but was where I felt like I was kind of trained to think and realised then that it was something that we can develop and grow and learn how to be a little bit um, kind of strategic with thinking so not just sitting and thinking but also learning how to ask good questions and learning um, that the longer you spend identifying the real questions that you're seeking to answer the better the responses are and the more robust your thinking kind of becomes um, into the future and so I I then kind of just started applying that to all parts of my my life and well, often and like and so started probably 10 maybe 15 years ago I'm not sure um creating context for myself to think and realizing that you can't just magically expect things to land in your mind all the time and um sometimes you have to create space for that and it doesn't always work on demand <laughs> um but that you can create a context Like for me it's usually where I can't see anything that looks like an action item like no piles of washing or nothing that looks like I have to do it having like a beautiful candle or being outside under a tree like actually creating a space where I can often actually lie down and um, and start thinking through what matters to me and thinking about the question that I'm seeking to answer and it can take a long time to get to that question but once you do it for me it's just quite magical how much comes from that Um, even just like a random little story about how this might sound quite strange but how it's applied in my personal life I remember when um I met my husband and that was four years ago uh, and I was just so intense and so um it was like whoa is this happening where we're like so fully into each other and kind of committed and I realized that um as, but that the question or that I answered or like about why it was so right and why it would be so right going forward is that um, the way I love with Charoha as a strength and the way he loves as a strength when he's with me. Whereas when you're with someone who they um, like the way you love as a weakness and is used against you, things don't work as well. And it was as soon as I realized that that was the, the right question or the right, right framing, everything just went oh my goodness I get it and this is going to be the backbone of our relationship and and so that's like a really you know left field personal example but even um, that kind of thinking and identifying what is the question what is the real uh, like in te reo Māori the word like ngako the essence of um, what I'm trying to to frame the things I care about how do I see that
0: And I think that time and space piece is such an important contributor to this because we can't just be in our traditional environments and go thoughts just appear. We need to step out of our known space uh, and find that time and give ourselves that time for our mindsets to be able to nourish and get creative and be stimulated in a different way. Uh, And I certainly found the experience of doing that, those deep thinking uh times really valuable because it really stepped me out of a place and space that i hadn't really spent much time before yeah it's amazing
1: how normal it becomes to not have that time and after so when i handed figure Z over to another ceo now peter riley um i thought oh this will take me like a month or so just to relax and unwind after eight years of being a ceo and founder And it took months and um, I was kind of stepping into research and thinking, but I didn't know exactly where I was going to go with it. I didn't have a question. I just needed to first stop um, looking through the world, through the same lens I had been looking at, which was through the data kind of lens. And so I forcibly kind of shut that part of my brain off and refused to engage even in talking to anyone about it for about six or eight weeks, because I just, you know, you have to acknowledge like, all oh, right, I've been seeing the world through this lens, therefore I need to overcompensate for a moment if I want to get like a more rounded view again. And so the process I went through was like, it, it's funny because spending um, maybe four months, five months thinking and researching sounds kind of luxurious and fun, but it was really confronting because I had to really figure out what um, what matters to me and what I thought about it and what I could do about it. And that's not something I could do in just a day or even a week or even a month. And I found it a lot more confronting, but yet very fruitful uh,
0: than that I was um, kind of expecting going into it. So I'm sure on your journey to achieving the goals and having the impact that you are, there have been trials and tribulations that you've experienced Are you open to sharing some of those?
1: Yeah, I'm open to sharing everything. (laughs) Um, For me, the biggest trials kind of came at the start of my journey when I was like, so probably when I was 27 or so and when I was like looking to start green zed and stepping out of paths that I'd been in before. And that realization that a lot of people expect for you to just stay on one path, And how when you want to shift that, everyone has an opinion about it. And so I had to go through um, some kind of reflection and processes to realize actually, like no one cares about my life as much as I do. I need to really like follow what's on my insides. And over time, and that was like quite a hurdle to like it didn't take a lot of time but it was definitely like a conscious hurdle to have to kind of move through and say no my path is um is my path and it shouldn't be something that I'm doing just because of what others around me want and so stepping out of the norm can be uncomfortable um some of the other challenges I I think as a especially when I was founding figure NZ and we're actually finding some similar things now with figure group one of the things that's really interesting having a startup business um, or charity in the name of figure NZ um, is that when you are working to engage with large organizations there's such a power imbalance that it's very um to me that's probably when where the biggest stresses have come from in my time as being a founder and a CEO is is trying to navigate how to create relationships where, where power imbalances are so different. So for example, when you're engaging with a public sector agency who's like, yep, yeah, we love what you're doing. We want to see how we can use this, but they take 18 months, two years, big processes to move through and almost kind of killing you on the way. And that I have found really, really hard and at times really upsetting. And, um, and I don't know the answer to it because even though organisations say they want to be innovative and work with small, quick, quick like young companies, the reality is that they aren't set up to do that. And so it becomes a really painful process. So that's, you know, I'd say that's my biggest um, challenge.
0: And so bravery and courage, as we know, are two leading traits of entrepreneurs. How have both of those really played a part in your experiences? I think that when you are doing something
1: but like by the definition of innovation or innovative, you're doing something that nobody else can see. And so you have to be brave to keep describing the world you see, even when people others can't quite see it yet. And that can take quite a lot of courage because, It's relentless and you don't like no one around you whether it's organizations you're engaging with or people that are working for you or anyone can see quite what you see and um, whilst they might care and be interested you have to keep holding that space open and keep trying to push out the fences of that world that you're trying to create and it can be really lonely and um, and that can be hard when it's so relentless and so what I have done is um, and it almost happened kind of naturally rather than consciously but was find others who are holding open spaces in other areas and other industries that so nothing to you know do with what I'm doing but that have that same experience of having to hold a space open to try and get others to see it and so that helps a lot with the, the sense of loneliness but I think being courageous to keep Keep describing and keep um, sharing what you see can be hard, but is absolutely critical um, to navigating to to kind of greatness and bringing people on the journey.
0: And so, purpose is a big part of who we are. What does the word purpose mean to you? Purpose is everything to me. I
1: I get really um, confused when like organizations or if it's a happening without a really clear purpose. Because if for me, if you're one degree off the, the foundation of what you're doing, then in a few years, you'll be miles off and off the trajectory. And so for me, purpose, um, like, I, like you often hear about people talking about, oh, you need to fail fast and stuff in the startup kind of industry and environment. And I just, for me, I just don't relate to the way those kind of times are described because for me if your purpose is clear you might um you might fail at the first attempt of how to solve that or how to achieve that purpose but if you're if you're actually purpose driven not product driven or service driven if you're purpose driven then you can keep shifting what you do to achieve that purpose until you can achieve it and and so for me purpose is like spend as long as you can getting the purpose right because that is what um, has to fuel you every single day for years when it's hard and especially in the early days of a startup and maybe all the days it's as a founder CEO the actual activities you're doing aren't necessarily things that you enjoy doing like you know, doing all the, the accounts and doing all the, the sales and doing kind of everything at the start, you're doing it because of the purpose. And so if that's not completely aligned with your own purpose and values, then it becomes really hard um, to keep motivated and keep going.
0: What a beautiful way that you have just described purpose. That's probably the most eloquent version of uh, purpose that I've heard. So thanks. Oh,
1: for that, thank you, Catherine.
0: So, what are some of the daily rituals and routines that make you the best version of yourself
1: well they are really all the things that we know we're meant to do and we often don't do um but that i have learned to really prioritize and put forward over the last um i don't know probably eight years or so and so that's things like sleep like drinking an enormous amount of water having celery juice and smoothies and having time away with friends and um, having time in the shower to just kind of enjoy the feeling of the water and and things like that, that sound really simple. But for me, they are everything. They are what makes me feel really balanced. And um, in te Māori, the word is kind of toe, so settled. And um, so I absolutely prioritise them. And the thing that I have said for quite a few years now which can sound quite selfish and confronting but for me has been tried and true is that I unashamedly put myself first and I do that so that I can sustainably serve and um, over the years I have observed many who will always put themselves last and they end up burning out and so whilst it sounds selfish for me it's just so important to make sure that my kind of physical, emotional, uh, mental health is is in a really good space, so that I can just keep doing everything else I want to do for others.
0: And so, thinking about the time of change that we have been impacted by across the globe, how have you used that time to create new opportunities?
1: That is an excellent question. I think it has just been one of the, I mean, the strangest times for so many of us. and, um, and of course, acknowledging the trauma and tragedy for so many. For for me, it has, it kind of came at a time where I was already doing a lot of kind of research and thinking in kind of quiet time. And so what it has done is helped others around me kind of, I guess, also have that time a little bit. But it has, um, the way I see... What we've been going through is that it's like a real life example that we can now talk about and um, having experienced that demonstrates that when, as a collective, we decide something is worthwhile, we're able to achieve it. And I'm specifically talking about like the New Zealand response to to COVID, which is ongoing, but it made me really sit back and think why don't we have a 1 pm stand up for child poverty why don't we have a 1 pm stand up for the quality of our rivers and why don't we have comprehensive suites of comprehensive suites of kind of responses to addressing some of the big challenges we have we um, what we saw with the covid response and what we still see is like a really clever i think kind of matrix of how to respond to different um, parts of what was happening and in different scenarios and this real dedication every day at 1pm to do a briefing and let everyone in the country know how things were going and um, so the silver lining for me of of that time is that we can say like if we decided that other things were as important we would be able to in my mind kind of nail them um, a lot faster than we do now we don't even ask for no child poverty we ask for reduced child poverty for example And so I like that we can now look at an example that helps really shift the framework of our thinking.
0: And for you, thinking about the next 12 months, where will your focus on impact be?
1: These next few, um, or this next year or so, is quite unusual for me because I decided at the start of this year, to as well as starting a new business to um, embark on a full-time full immersion te reo maori school which goes from february through to november and takes up the majority of my time and for me it became really important to do that and to invest in learning now so that um so that i have te reo and it's something that i can use to participate in more areas of our, our world and our community in the years going forward and so I don't think, if I think about kind of any external impact that I'll have over the next year, there's not going to be much. I think I'm pretty, I'm flying under the radar kind of on purpose at the moment. But when I look ahead, I, um, I can just see that the, taking the time to invest and in being thoughtful and learning and filling areas that I haven't been competent, that that, that is going to allow, allow me to have a far bigger impact um, than I would otherwise have.
0: So we spoke earlier about the idea of it being a luxury to, at our age, invest in learning. Can you share more about that? Because I found that really interesting as a concept because certainly it's something that I think about a lot.
1: Absolutely. It's been something that as I've um, been going back to school this year with Te Reo Māori, I have been reflecting on why it feels like such a total privilege to be sitting and learning during the day. And it's made me realize how much active learning was not a part of my life for the past, I don't know, 15 or so years. And when I think about that, it just seems so like wild and ineffective that we're not thinking about learning as something that can be in the center of our kind of focus and something that is a necessity rather than something that's um, a privilege and and a luxury. And one of the things with like with the work that we're doing with Huato but also um up and out of that is how do we create a society where we learning is not just encouraged but enabled like it's really hard like this year is so hard doing learning and a business and a family and, and all of the pieces but so what is it what would it look like for learning to be supported and enabled um for people of all ages as as we kind of ebb and flow through different parts of our life and and I, it does fascinate me how um, we don't necessarily see it as a constant stream that keeps flowing throughout our life. It's like, oh, start, stop, stop, and now we're into work. And I think that's a really flawed kind of approach.
0: And I guess that idea of continuous learning, it was certainly something that came up uh, and threaded throughout the conversations I had last year for entrepreneur of win with purpose was this idea of continuous learning and really that it should never stop. So we really need to encourage uh, our teenagers and our young adults just to not stop and just continue that learning learning path, but also as we get older to re-engage in that learning uh, and make it an ongoing part of who we are.
1: Absolutely, and I think that it needs to be outside of just thinking about professional development because then it gets tethered to an organisation, but rather we need to think about or learn what our own strategies for learning are, like what makes us learn best, what are the areas that we want to develop and not expect somebody
0: else to tell us what that would be, but actually kind of seek that out for ourselves. And I guess that leads into, you know, enabling that full human potential of who we have, who we are. And that really takes that idea of, personal or professional development to that next level that we really create that depth of human potential. Yeah, uh, it's just people ourselves. development, eh? Yeah, in all parts. And so finally, what is that one thing that you are super passionate about that you would like to call for action from the Entrepreneurial Women With Purpose community?
1: Ah, oh, it is, I think, for people, especially for women who are, like, seeking to, to do something that matters to them is to learn how to really love themselves and be confident in who they are. And I don't know if that sounds like a strange call to action, but I've recently talked to some woman who I I think are incredible and doing amazing things, and it became um, apparent to me that they don't feel that and that they really struggle with uh, loving themselves and being confident and comfortable in who they are, and to me that is where we all need to start because when you are on a mission everyone is um is watching you and learning from you and so starting with yourself to me is just the best thing that you can do and don't don't be afraid to take that time to think for you and what you need um, but spend some time with yourself and get, get comfortable with yourself and to me that's the, the biggest gift you could do for me
0: Well, thank you so much, Lillian, for sharing your world and your wealth of wisdom with Entrepreneurial Women With Purpose.
1: You're welcome. Thank you, Catherine.
0: TOITU EnviroCare is an important and valued partner for Entrepreneurial Women With Purpose in our collective approach to New Zealand being carbon zero by 2030. Through measuring, managing and reducing our carbon impact, we can all be contributors to the goal. Check out their new SMB and farming tools at toitu.co.nz.